Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on VoiceAmericaVariety.com with my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake. How are all of you this morning? Lauren and I are doing great. Are we, Lauren? I'm doing well. I well, but we were talking before. We weren't doing so well. We were talking about all of our, uh, I, what you call it, anxieties. Uh, we, we always, you know, people open these shows and they always say, "Oh, everything's wonderful and everything's great." But let's face it, everything isn't wonderful and great all the time. Well, so, I've been complaining for a week, a month and a half about my health, so I'm exactly. happy to not be complaining about it. All right, so you're not going to complain, but you're going to be happy because today, or this will give you some more information. We have two doctors on the show today. Two doctors. I love doctor shows, by the way. Uh, this, the, one of them is Taboo Topics for Women. Taboo Topics for Women. That's health topics that women don't want to talk about. So we have Dr. Lori Romanzi. She's, she's from Cornell Medical. She's from Columbia Presbyterian and she, Cornell Medical College. She is an obstetrician gynecologist. So those taboo topics for women, what do you think those are? I'm not going to tell you what they are, but think about the ones that you don't want to talk about, that you're kind of embarrassed to talk about, either with your friends or with your doctor. The other, in case you didn't know it, this is the first time or the first year they've had this. This is it's global, it's World MS Day, World MS Day, and you can go to worldmsday.org. So, Lauren, we're going to have patient Rick Summers on living with MS. He's had MS for 15 years. He's going to be on the show with Dr. Nicholas LaRocca, Vice President, Healthcare Delivery and Policy Research, the National MS Society. So they're both going to be talking to us about that because this is the first day, the first ever World MS Day. So uh, you mentioned it before we, you know, before we started the show, and with all this information, not just about MS, not about women's taboo topics, but about all this stuff. Every time you have a twitch or every <laughs> pain in your head, it's like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? It's and true. It is true. I agree with you. And when you, there's so much more information. So in some ways, we're so much more empowered. And that lots of info. I don't think information is bad. I really don't. But you do have to be, you know, keep your grounded, your feet grounded in the process of acquiring information these days. Well, you said power. It gives us power, and but it also enervates us at the same time. It makes us nervous because there is so much information. So how do we kind of? Make sure that we're well-informed, but at the same time, every time we get a headache, every time we get a pain in our leg, every time that we get any kind of symptom that, you know, we don't think we have some catastrophic illness and go looking it up and then get more nervous about it. Because I know a lot of people in that position. And, you know, it used to be there were certain people who had that kind of personality. I had a girlfriend, every little thing that was wrong with her. This is way before the Internet. But now I think it's created a whole population of us anxiety about every, you know, our, our health. It, you have an answer? I don't, yeah, but I think I, I would never take away the power of the information. I feel so much, I think it's important to have the information. I think that the Internet's done us a good thing. And I think that, like, I hear other people, I was I actually had this conversation with my father the other day. He was searching on something else health-related, and he's, you know, he says, the more information you have, the more you make yourself crazy. And I'm like, well, I don't agree. The more, if you really thoughtful about what your symptoms are and even write them down before you start searching, I think that helps a lot so you don't start manifesting things that aren't really there. I think, though, your father is more my age. He is. So that you become more frightened because the probability or the chances of you having some of those diseases are more uh, probable. You know, you, you probably could have chances are of having them is, is just more, what's the word, probable, there's another word for it, I don't know, there you have a better chance or a better shot as you get older because you're more vulnerable of having the disease that you're afraid that you have, which maybe when you're younger that's not true, although that's changing as well. It is changing, I don't think yeah. that's, I don't know, I think that it's, that it, these days you know the things that you are more susceptible, but there is, I do think that there's things that are happening in our world that we're not even clear about so that we could be having things, we could be having um an issue going on and doctors will dismiss it, which I've had happen. Personally, I've had that happen where I've had issues, doctors dismiss it, and we come find out later that actually my instinct about what it was was more accurate than the doctor's. Yeah, your instinct. Instinct is so important. How That is, some of the, I think we tend to dismiss our instincts, whether we're trying, making decisions, not just about our health, but other stuff. So you've got to hone in on your instinct. You're so right. I totally agree. Don't let anybody dismiss your instincts because you 
only you know how you feel. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah, and they don't really know, and they they have you know you go to the doctor, you give them your symptoms, but it's those nuances of how you feel that you know you feel different, but you can't really describe it necessarily than you did before. Or you can't, and it sometimes it's just very subtle. Yeah, I do think it's important to them. I do think that. Um Going to a doctor with information, my, Rob says this to me too. You know, you can't lead. He says I'll I mislead the doctors, or I lead them down a path that I want to take them down versus what I think. You know, allowing them to me to stay open minded and them to stay open minded. But I do think that it's important to show them the big picture. Like I, in the past year, I was looking at this. I have gone to three different doctors, three different specialty situations, and I believe now, after looking back on it, all of them were related, but none of them got to the real issue. So you have to look at the big picture of our health. And it's not, if you look at, you know, just your toe versus just your gynecological issues, for example, they really, they could be related, but one doctor will refer you to the other doctor. But the big picture, your body, you know, your hip bone's connected to your whatever your thigh bone. bone, I think it is. Your hip bone's connected to your thigh bone. It's all <laughs> connected. Our systems are connected. And not to, to not look at the body as one big system, I think, is a mistake. And I think that we're going to come down the pike in the next... 10, 20 years and really start looking at medicine differently, in my opinion. One of the things that some of the experts say, and I just saw something on the net of a physician, and I think he put it pretty well, you know, you have to look at your symptoms and your complaints in the context of your relationships as well. Uh, like when you go to the doctor, if you think that there is something maybe that is that needs to be attended to, that you're having symptoms, it's good to bring a spouse, a partner, somebody who's close to you, a parent, whoever it is, who also is seeing you and maybe observing changes in your behavior or changes in the way you're able to do things or your memory or those kinds of things so that you get another person who's in your environment also providing information to the physician. I think that's a good idea. I'm not talking about, you know, you got a cold or you got the flu, but if you think there's something else, either it could be you or your child or whatever, but it, it gives your um, your symptoms... But just a third perspective. Yes. Yeah. That's very I agree helpful, with that. right? So what do you think what do you think about our Supreme Court nominee? I love it. Yeah. I love it. I was woke up this morning I mean I saw a little bit of it last night, but I woke up this morning to good news. I loved how she was received all around. Yeah, I, I think it's. A, can you pronounce her name? Because I'm going to have you pronounce it first. I can't pronounce her name. I even have to look at. I have to. I can look it up. Hold on. I can't You're pronounce gonna, her name. All right. Well, the, you, the new, and what I did. What you graphics and animation, sound design, and duplication services. Catherine. Yeah. Something oh. happened there. I don't know. We had another, <laughs> another show. Oh, that was odd. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so did you look up how you pronounce your name? I'm looking it up. Right. Um. Sotomayor. Sotomayor? Sotomayor. Sotomayor. Yeah. Yeah. Sotomayor. 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 Anyway, she's... M-A-Y-O-R. Yeah, what a story. She's Puerto Rican. She grew up in... She's got a great story. Yeah, she has a Barack Obama story. She does. I love that her mom was there and in tears over it. And, you know, so a great story. And it is amazing to me. It's always amazing to me that you think of a woman, her brother's a physician as well, her mother's a nurse, do you know her her whole story? Well, I, I, she's an attorney, you know, she's, was in, what I loved is she was inspired by the books she read as a kid, and, you know, she was inspired by the basic stuff she was exposed to as a American, which was just amazing. Yeah, but she grew up in the Bronx, she grew oh, up in yes. the Oh, yes, yeah, she, yeah. She, I mean, it's it's the American dream. I mean, and she did it. And it's and and I wondered if she she grew up in the Bronx. She grew up in a housing development. Her father died when she was nine. Nine, was a yeah. Nurse or is a nurse, and she said everything that you know she's been able to accomplish is because of her mother. Her brother is a physician. <clears throat> All of those things. I, I just find it it's amazing that she was able to do that. I wondered if she were married or if she had children. And I looked it up, and apparently she was married. She to, was married for um, six or seven years or something like that, and no kids. Yeah, and, and and then divorce. Now it seems to me she's like totally devoted herself to her her uh, her career. She is just uh, to me anyway. I mean, and she's had such a. I mean, she's done so many different kinds of things. She's been a prosecutor. She's worked for a corporate uh, firm in New York City. So she has all this experience. Anyway, I don't think there's going to be too much of a problem. I don't think in terms of getting her. Uh, um,
No, there's always an issue. There will always be something, but I don't think that's going to be. No, she's issue got one. a clean. It's like she's got a clean background. It seems, and only only reason to accept her versus decline her. Yeah, right. Exactly. So um, yeah, so I'm really. He made a good choice. He's always making these great choices. He's an amazing man. He is an amazing man. I love that he's exposing the world to these great American stories. Yeah, Barack Obama. <laughs> I call him our Messiah. <laughs> Drives my crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. What are you that. talking about? I mean, I'm not the only one. Anyway, we only have a minute left. And believe it or not, our guest is ready to go. So we're going to take a short break, Lauren. And our next guest is going to be Dr. Lori Romanzo uh, to talk to us about taboo topics for women. So she is coming up. Don't go away. Uh, we will be back in a few minutes. You are listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com with Catherine Sox and my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty says just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, Lauren Beller-Blake, my co-host. I'm Catherine Zox. I am your social worker with a microphone, and you are listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Well, when it comes to our personal lives, and I mentioned this before we took the break, some subjects are a bit more delicate to, to discuss than others. In fact, many people, especially women, would rather suffer in silence than discuss embarrassing topics like their weight, menopause, even bladder weakness. That's an embarrassing one. That's just naming a few of them. But today's guest is going to be talking about the problems that actually can help boost self-esteem. Joining us now is surgeon and gynecologist Dr. Lori Romanzi, Romanzi from New York Presbyterian Hospital, Cornell Medical College. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, doctor. Thank you, Catherine. Nice to be here. Okay, so we're going to be talking about taboo topics for women. What are women afraid to talk about? Because I always thought women would talk about anything when it came to health. Men, no, but women, yes. You know, we do talk quite a lot, and you would think that in this era of the outing of erectile dysfunction, of all things, for God's sake, you know, when we (laughs) grew up, I never heard anything about this problem, but it's out there. And you would think that women would take that as carte blanche to talk about anything and everything at all. But they don't. I, I find in my specialty of urogynecology that women often are just completely chagrined and very not interested in discussing problems that they have after they've had a baby, for instance. 
some of the more subtle, um, not so much talked about things that a woman could go through in terms of pelvic floor function when she passes through the menopause transition. And just women of all ages, some of them very young, some of them very athletic and very young who have problems with bladder weakness. These are areas that women often come timidly into my office for, and they've often suffered for years and have talked about it with no one. or yeah, And I no believe one. that because there's something about, and maybe it's a cultural thing, I don't know, bladder weakness it's, it's, and weakness, first of yep. all, just the word weakness. Um, I think some of the topics, and, and some of them that, that you've mentioned, I mean, women don't like to talk about age and cosmetic problems, menopause, bladder weakness, I think that stands out. But I think that some of the, the topics that women are, don't want to talk about are related to age. Now, I'm a baby boomer, things mm-hmm. that, are, that, you are, that are seen as a weakness. Um, and so, because it, it implies that you're aging, not that you're sick necessarily, but it, the whole aging process. So you don't want to bring those kinds of things up. I mean, is that what you find in your practice? Yeah, I find it quite a lot. Yeah, bladder weakness is a very good term from my point of view as a clinician because there are many women with bladder problems who aren't actually incontinent, but they are going to the bathroom frequently. They'll say things like, I have a small bladder, I have a weak bladder. And while it is more common as we get older, as are, as are many conditions, for instance, arthritis, pain and aches, you know, eye problems, all more common as we get older, and unfortunately we all do. Uh, bladder problems can often be associated with what many women call bladder weakness for even decades before they actually begin to have true bladder control problems and start to wet themselves. So how do you get them to talk about it? I mean, you as a physician, uh, is it, do you have to go to the right physician so that a woman feels comfortable with her doctor? I think I would feel less comfortable telling a male doctor than a female doctor. Maybe that's my bias, but it is. Uh, I don't want to talk to a male gynecologist about my bladder problems. I'd rather go to you. Gender issues are very common. However, what I found with many, much of the time is that women have brought it up with their doctor on occasion, and many of the time, to be quite fair, these doctors are women. And they are told, rather dismissively, that, well, you've had a baby, it'll go away over time, and it doesn't. Or, well, you know, you're menopausal now, and you're going to have bladder problems, and, and, and that's the end of it. Uh, you know, there's a recent survey done that reflects what we already know in the medical literature that showed that one-third of women with bladder weakness feel that their lives are out of control and that their spontaneity in general in life is definitely affected. And in medicine, we call these quality-of-life issues, and it reflects exactly what we've already documented in the medical literature. And up to 30% of women who have bladder weakness will bathroom map and and, uh, constantly think about the problem and feel that it truly affects their quality of life. Yeah, so if you want to travel or you're traveling on a plane and you're 10 or 12 hours or going around, it's going to affect that. What about sex? Do bladder problems affect your sexual uh, ability to, you know, you're talking about erectile dysfunction. Does it have the same effect on women if you have bladder problems? It absolutely, yeah, absolutely does. Um, there are up to 30% of women who have overactive bladder, for instance, complain that it does affect their sexuality. The overactive bladder is uh, the, the primary symptom is urgency. So you're playing around, you're having a good time, and all of a sudden you feel like you have to go, and it doesn't go away, and you no longer are enjoying what you're doing. You're just thinking about whether or not you're actually going to have to have coitus interruptus for the bathroom. <laughs> and off you go to the bathroom and come back. Now the mood has changed. Everything's changed. He's looking at you like you can't figure out what's going on. Now the problem has turned to erectile dysfunction. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Thank you. And we have to start all over again. Yeah. So you know, it's, 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 it's a growing problem. Uh, a lot of women, and again, it's not just an older woman's problem. There's plenty of data showing that, for instance, when they survey college athletes, female college athletes, these are, what, 18, 19-year-olds. They've never had a baby they, by definition, are as fit as they're ever going to be, arguably. Up to 30% of female athletes in the college uh, arena complain of incontinence problems, actual leaking urine during their sporting activities. See, that is totally a new t- statistic to me. I, that really surprises me. So this is like, a, if you're talking about statistics, can you give us, a, like, how many women would you say, if you, now you're talking about 18 to 80, uh, suffer from bladder. Right. Well, we've got about 13% of women with overactive bladder actually under 21. 
or under 25, excuse me, and it increases to about a quarter of the population in women over 40 will have some form of bladder weakness. This has been shown in survey after survey, and a very recent survey done by Tenna showed the exact same thing, where they surveyed women throughout North America um, online, which, which as a tool we think begets more honesty because it's very discreet and very private. And there are lots of things women can do to help themselves even before they step forward to a clinician, whether it's... Um, whether you're, you are a college athlete who is a long-distance runner who finds herself wet at the end of every race, or a woman who's just had a baby who for the first time is having bladder control problems, or a woman who's gone through menopause who's wondering why she's constantly having urgency and running to the bathroom and getting up three times at night, or any other form of bladder weakness, and that is to simply exercise your muscles. Uh, That's called a Kegel exercise. exercise. I remember after I had my babies, they said to do... Kegel exercises. Kegels, yep. Exactly, Kegels. but I bet nobody showed you how to do them, did they? Well, I went to, what, what is it, would you go, you know, beforehand, you take the classes to have a baby? I forgot right, what they the childbirth classes. Yeah, they did and they, show. And they talk about it, right? They talk about it and they give you a two-minute demo and that's the end of it. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. And also, when you're pregnant is not necessarily the best time, if you think about it, to get yeah. any muscle group in shape. But it's, it's certainly a time where women are very focused on things pelvic, and they're almost led to believe that if they, if they kegel while they're, preg- while they're pregnant, they won't have any problems. And that may or may not exactly be the case. And, and my, my philosophy is that if you're old enough to vote and you have the body parts, you should probably learn how to kegel properly because at worst, it, the, the biggest side effect is that your orgasms will be more intense. And at best, you come into pregnancy and recuperate from pregnancy with that skill set. It's a skill set to be able to keggle. And there are many websites that can help you find uh, clinicians or other resources or demonstrations to help you identify how to do pelvic floor exercises um, on the Internet. For instance, NAFC.org is a very good resource for women with bladder control problems or things like corewellness.us. Uh, core wellness program, excuse me, .us is another very good resource for pelvic floor exercises. There are also a lot of products. You know, a lot of women uh, find that they'll just be more confident if they, especially if they have overactive bladder, if they're wearing some kind of liner. And there are many products on the market. Uh, but if you go to tenna.us, for instance, that's a site where you can review many different types of products. Not all incontinence products are diapers. Well, there I tell you, are, but it's embarrassing. Have I have friends, and these, doctor, these I have friends who are embarrassed to actually than... go to the pharmacy or go to the grocery store and buy those products. It's like when you were 15, you first got your period, and you oh, didn't want to go buy tampons because it was too humiliating because you had to give it to the kid when you were walking, you know, who was, uh, when you had to pay for it, and so it was too embarrassing. Um, it's the same thing with these kinds of products. I know women who do not want to go and actually buy products. And I'm saying products uh, for bladder incontinence. So, what do you do? Order them online or get over it? Well, I know that many of the sites will allow you to order a sample, for instance, a free sample. You can look at the products that they offer and decide which one might fit you best. And it goes from everything from simple liners all the way up to, God forbid, a full diaper if you're really having a big problem. And you can order a sample and see which one works for you. So, at least then, when you're going to the store, or ordering from the store online, God bless Fresh Direct. We have that here in New York where you can order all sorts of things online. It gets delivered to your house. You at least know what you're ordering. And these, uh, these bladder weakness products are actually have slightly different content than a menstrual pad, for instance, and actually do a better job if you do have a small accident of giving you that confidence. It's going to catch it and it's not going to roll off the pad into your clothing. So would you say that, and we've only got a couple minutes left, but I'm still going to bring it up anyway, would you say this is the number one problem or the number one taboo topic for women? I'd say it's in the top five. It's absolutely in the top five. You know, it, when, we, when we're infants, we're, the big thing is to learn to walk and talk and get out of the diaper. When any of those things are impaired in any way, it is almost by definition taboo. And more women are living much longer, as you well know. We're a little sturdier than boys, and we just last longer. Boomers are the big group in the demographics of this country, and we're all sort of getting into that 60-plus age range. And it's going to become much more of an issue. We're just not willing to sit back and give up our lives and give up our activities because we have 
a bladder control problem. So get in there. Go online. Look at your resources. See what's out there. There are sites that will give you bathroom maps. Very, very helpful if you have overactive bladder. Go to your doctor prepared. Know that you are absolutely not alone. There's a lot of company. And if your doctor says, oh, yeah, well, I don't know, you know, this is normal, say, well, I'd like to go to a specialist. Can you send me somebody? Is there somebody in the community here who helps women with bladder weakness problems? I'd like to go there. And it doesn't matter what age you are. If you're a girl, this can be a problem for you, whether you're 18 or 80. And don't be afraid to talk about it. I mean, you know, you need to, as you are, you're going on television and radio to talk about the problem because I think the more we talk about the problem, we demystify the problem, which is exactly what you're doing, which I think is terrific. Uh, so it, w- one last thing. Do you want to leave us with a website? Do you have a website we can go to, your personal website, where we can get more information? I do have. It's called theperfectfit.com, and fit is spelled P-H-I-T. And uh, it's a site devoted, actually, to Kegel exercise and all of its glory and utility. Uh, Tenna.us, a very helpful site. And then my other favorite site is nafc.org, National Association for Continents.org. Terrific. Dr. Laura Ramanzi, thank you so much for being on the show this morning. Lots of helpful information. We'll be back in a minute. Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Is it really true that nearly half of all marriages end in divorce? Get the answers to this and other questions about relationships on Relationship Radio with Jim Duzak. The program's devoted to marriage, divorce, midlife dating, and men-women relationships in general. Jim and his guest experts will have plenty of information, insights, and advice for you, all as part of a lively and wide-ranging discussion about today's relationships. You can listen Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, for Relationship Radio with Jim Duzak on Voice America. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us this morning. I am Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone here on VoiceAmericaVariety.com with my co host, Lauren Deller Blake. Lauren, are you there? I am. That's good because we have our guests, and as I told you, I told you this earlier, uh, and you didn't know it, but today is the first ever World MS Day, Wednesday, May 22nd, that's 27th, that's today. So today we have Rick Summers, a former radio host, uh, and Dr. Nicholas LaRocca, Vice President, Healthcare Delivery and Policy Research, National MS Society. They're going to be here, they are here, to discuss the importance of early diagnosis and why early and consistent treatment can or even change the progress of MS. And Rick has was diagnosed with MS, I think, 15 years ago, 
And then after that, uh, went and got his MSW. He's one of me. He's uh, he, he's uh, one of us. Anyway, welcome to the show, gentlemen. Nice to have you on this morning. Thank you. Thank you. It's great Hi. to be here. Hi. Well, this is great. So you are. This is raising awareness for MS, and uh, I can't tell you actually how many friends I have who have been diagnosed with MS. So, um, who wants to go first? Talk to us, maybe, Doctor, about uh, the MS Society, what you're doing, and maybe you just have to give us a diagnosis. What is multiple a little, sclerosis? A little Some background. people don't know. Sure. Well, you just mentioned all the people that you know, and there's a person diagnosed with MS every hour in the United States. There's over 400,000 people in the U.S. with multiple sclerosis, and MS is a chronic progressive neurological disorder um, in which the immune system attacks the body's own tissues in the brain and spinal cord, resulting in symptoms such as uh, visual problems, difficulty walking, problems with coordination, uh, fatigue, and also memory loss, among other symptoms. Uh, We don't really know the cause of MS, and there is no cure at the present time, but we do have six FDA-approved treatments that are on the market for MS. Um, All of them require either an injection uh, or an infusion through a vein. Um, And every person who is diagnosed with MS um, is a little bit different, and so the experience of MS varies considerably from person to person in terms of uh, lifestyle impact and in terms of the particular symptoms that they have. Why is it important, Doctor, to to di- early diagnosis? I would assume that would be important since this is a lifelong condition that you're going to have to deal with. Uh, and if that is the case, what what do you look for first? I had read something that, you know, fatigue is one of the common symptoms, although fatigue is a common symptom for a lot of diseases. So how can you tell whether it's MS or not? Yeah, fatigue is the most frequent symptom mentioned by people who have MS. And uh, we, we recently completed a survey called the MS Viewpoint Survey in, in which uh, we were looking at the perspectives of people with MS as well as healthcare professionals concerning the current treatments that are available and what they're looking for um, in the in the future, uh, and this whole issue of early diagnosis and early treatment was a major focus um, of the uh, of the survey. And we found that one out of five people with MS, after they were diagnosed, actually delayed the start of treatment because of uh, fear um, and or anxiety about treatment. Yeah, I think the whole fear thing is what keeps most people away from you know if they think that they have. MS and they go online and they look, but it's too scary, so they just ignore it. Maybe this is where I should ask uh, Rick, what was your experience? I mean, you were diagnosed 15 years ago. How did you, you know, what were, what were your symptoms? Were you, did you go for treatment right away? Were you terrified? What, you know, what was your story? Well, you know, I would say you're preaching to the choir because uh, fear, anxiety, trepidation, they were all part of the equation, uh, but fear really played a part not moving ahead with a, a treatment. It was more important for me at that time in 1994 to have a diagnosis and to know what was wrong rather than try and solve the problem. And back then, the only way to solve the problem, again, not fix it, but just slow down the progression, was to do an injectable drug. And I remember saying to myself in 1994, I'm not going to be one of those people that has to rely on using one of these drugs that I you know, inject into my thigh once or three times a week or whatever it is. Uh, And then a few years later, it became obvious going through other exacerbations that uh, talking with my my healthcare team and my loved ones, we decided, you know what, we fought a good fight, let's let's throw our hands up and and instead of giving up, let's take a new course and, and be optimistic about the fact that these drugs are available and now we can use them to at least slow down the progression. So how has it, you're taking these oral drugs, Rick, like how has MS affected your life? Because I think the doctor mentioned earlier, it affects different people different ways. The progression of the disease is different. You've had it for 15 years. Just in terms of your own personal life, working, playing, relationships. Well, let me ask you, did you want to know how the medicine affects me or how the disease affects me? Well, I guess both, because you've had the opportunity to now take the oral treatments, the oral medication. Well, not yet. Oh, not yet. Yeah, that's that's coming. And as Dr. LaRocca uh, intimated in the survey, the MS Viewpoint survey, we determined that um, more people would be uh, readily 
available to start a therapy tomorrow if it was an oral therapy as opposed to taking a, a needle therapy, which is what basically slowed me down. But um, I started on interferon, which is one of the injectable drugs, back in 1997, so it's now been 12 years. And uh, it affects you at a lot of different levels. Um, psychologically, it affects you because of the fear factor and gearing up for that shot on a, on a weekly basis or a daily basis, depending upon which drug you take. Um, physically, it affects you because there are certainly some side effects. Um, for me, it's flu-like symptoms. So I had to negotiate that and figure out what was going to be the best way to incorporate this into my life. So I do my shot before I go to bed, and I try and sleep through eight hours of, of the symptoms, and I take a Tylenol, and, and hopefully I wake up fresh as a daisy the next day ready to go. So once the, let's, because we don't have that much time, so what would you say to, to, to any, our listeners, anyone listening who has MS or thinks they do or a family member, one piece of advice you could give them? It's very isolating to be diagnosed or even to think that you have a disease like this. Do not be afraid to reach out to, uh, to people that you trust, people that you love, and, and a doctor that you have faith in um, because I think it's important that you get the answer so you can start to solve the problem. Yeah. That's great advice, I think, that, which is what you are both doing, raising awareness for MS. So where can we go, Dr. LaRocca, to learn more about World MS Day? Because we need more information. Uh, go to nationalmssociety.org. Okay, nationalmssociety.org. You both are doing great work. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for really having us. Yeah, great to have you both. Good information. Lauren, did you, I mean, I, I think this is so important. Um, I think a lot of people aren't aware, for some reason, are not aware of multiple sclerosis. They really don't re- understand what, you know, the disease or, and, and it's a, it, millions and millions of people suffer from it. And like any other disease, you have to, early diagnosis, early treatment is what's important. And educate, 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 you know. Yeah, and I do you're... think that there's so many alternative things to do to support and supplement what's going on. You know? Yeah, but that fear factor—I I know I have that. Oh, that, especially when you, yeah, our minds do amazing things when we have a couple. We talked about this at the beginning of the show. Our minds start doing crazy things, and we think something's the matter. Yeah, but I think it. When you think something's the matter, you, why is it you just want to? If you think, if you deny it, and you don't, I know because we're crazy because we're I, humans. Right. That it's going to go away. Yeah, and it doesn't go away. But and it doesn't the, go away. But some stuff does go away. Now, as you age and you get older, away, and like my mother said, most gonna... of the time we have a big fear, and if we would dive into it, it ends up going away more. But when we keep it at arm's length and don't want to look at it, we actually manifest worse things. Exactly. Well, this is good though. This treatment thing for MS, oral treatment, so much better than having to inject yourself with a needle. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what people with uh, insulin problems and diabetes. Yep. Type 1 and type 2 diabetes have to deal with. But, uh, you know, oral treatment puts it into an entirely different perspective. Yeah. Lifestyle and traveling and relationships and all that. If you could take, I mean, and I thought that they were already on the market, but I guess not. It's the it's just starting with the emergence of these oral treatments, which made a gigantic difference. So mm-hmm. make that's why we are making this, uh, making you aware, our listeners aware of uh, MS, National MS Day, World MS Day. This is for the world because they need you need monies for the research so that you can get these kinds of medications, etc. Um, anyway, Rick Summers, fifteen years he's had it. Did he write a book? His name is really familiar. Has he been on the show before? He hasn't been on our show before, but okay. if you go online, he's been on a lot of yeah. His name is really yeah. familiar. I don't know where I've seen him. Yeah, um, you can go on. You can listen to some of his interviews and stuff because he's been on. He's been inter- he has interviewed a lot of world-renowned physicians, and he has also been interview, you know, been the interviewer and the interviewee. How's that? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, we've got lots of information today. Uh, you told me you're going to tell me a story off air. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to get about. Uh, I love when you bring up stuff like that on air, and you're you are funny. You're not getting that story on air. I'm I know. Sorry. Every time Lauren tells a personal story, then we get off here and she said, How, why you made me say that story? Well, <laughs> I'm standing firm in this one. I'm not sharing it today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody wants to know, you are just going to have to uh, 
get to be my good friend and give me cocktails or something. Yeah, or you can call us, right? You can call us during the show if you're curious. Call us <laughs> I don't know if I'll give it up then either. You may or may not. 866-472-5787. That's 866-472-5787. We'll see. Get a personal. Everybody likes to hear stories. I think that's... I love to hear stories. That's why it's good like when they have, you know... This is about MS awareness. You have the physician. You get the information. But it really helps to have someone else who actually has the disease or I has the problem. I actually think the story is as important as the doctor's information. You need both. You absolutely need both. And, yeah, I agree with that. I think the story puts it in perspective, and you can hear their voice and hear um, not just their perspective on it, but what they've done to survive and how strong they are. It tells you a lot about the Well, person. I have an example of that. I have an example, and it is a personal story, and I will tell my personal story. But you're going to have to wait to hear that because we're going to have to go to break. And when we come back, I am going to tell you a personal story about just that, uh, people helping other people by telling their story about in terms of their own catastrophic illness. How's that one? I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone with Lauren Beller, Blake, my co-host on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Don't go away. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for Total Career Success on Voice America. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Want to have behind-the-scenes access to some of the greatest minds of today? On Shift in Action, we feature leading-edge innovators who are building a more conscious, sustainable, and healthy culture. Host Stephen Dynan offers live shows with evolutionary leaders such as Deepak Chopra, Van Jones, and others who are creating new paradigms for conscious living. You can keep your finger on the pulse of the latest frontier work with our weekly transmission of inspired wisdom on Shift in Action, broadcast live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back, and you can call us if you want to at... 8664725788 oh, 88. I've been saying 87. Well, it's 88, folks. 8664725788. I'm Catherine Zox. If you're just joining us, good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. And Lauren Beller Blake, my co-host. And if you are just joining us, uh, you're going to listen to the two of us cuz our guests, we already interviewed our guests. But anyway, so we've been talking about like if you have a, a medical problem, I don't want to say a severe one, but you know one that is is what would you say uh, something that um it could be frightening or scary, and I think diseases like MS is one of them. Heart disease can be another, and I told you I would tell my personal Let's story. Let's hear your story, Catherine. I'm yeah, ready. Well, my father, when he was in his... Oh, it's not your story. It's your father's story. Well, but it's... It's, one oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a serious story. All right, let's hear. In the 60s, he, was, he had one of the first uh, coronary artery bypass surgeries. They had only been doing it for a year. 
And so they did the, they did the surgery then at, at Texas, DeBakey, and they did it at Mass General in Boston. But having only done it for a year, it, it was a 12-hour surgery. It was like wow. all the patients in one room. It looked like that movie Coma. You know, everybody was just draped over their genitals, but every, they had, you know, tubes going into every orifice. I mean, it was really scary, right? It was not experimental, but it had just gotten out of the experimental stage, so my father was terrified, naturally. But this cardiologist, I mean, this is many years ago, this was in the 70s, introduced my father to a young man, younger than he even, who was in his 40s, who had just had the surgery and walked into his room, and he said, you know, he said, look at me, and I'm healthy, and I can go, I go back to work. I forgot what he did. I can have sex. It didn't affect my, my, you know, my sexuality or having sex. And all those things, the kinds of things that are, you know, once you survive the surgery that you have to deal with, it was so, it was probably the most helpful thing is what, you know, and that was a long time ago they were doing that, you know. Interesting. Like, yeah, combining the cardiologist with the person who really had the, the Interesting. Problem. That's a great story. Yeah, isn't that a good story? So they, they were doing testimonials. Doctors were giving, doing testimonials of people that have been through it. And Well, they brought their patients in, which is what they still should be. I don't know if they still do that I don't anymore. even think they do that anymore because of the whole um, HIPAA regulations. But if you give permission, can't if you? If you give permission and want to, I would think what a great service that would be. Because it really prepares them like they could let them know what was it like right after and they could talk about it from experience so the doctor doesn't go home with you. Fortunately, <laughs> some doctors do go home. But that's another show. <laughs> that is another show. Yeah, exactly. I just I remember last week we were talking about Natalie Portman. I don't know if any. It doesn't make any difference. But anyway, and our our board opposite really liked her. Well, um, oh, I do remember. Yes. Yeah, and I was asking him like who are some of the other actresses that he likes. I hope he's listening. And I hadn't heard of her. See, I looked these people up though. Myla Kunis, do you know who she is? I do not. She is gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. This is what he said. This is who he said he liked. Yeah, one of the favorites. And I'm looking her up, and Myla Kunis, K-U-N-I-S. She's Russian, Hmm. Uh, but she's an American actress. I guess she's Russian. She was born in Kiev, and she is absolutely dynamite. Why don't we know about her? She's I don't know. Sh- well, she's been well, I know that of- I don't because I'm just so out of touch. And yeah, well, you don't never be sure to, to tell well, me that. Well, you never even go to the movies. I know I don't go to the movies. So oh, what movies has she? What movie has she been in? Oh, she's been in tons of them. I mean, I'm looking at her thing here, but uh, none that you've seen because you don't go to the movies. So I don't, <laughs> I don't. Even have to name them. <laughs> so <laughs> sheltered. No. <laughs> I do other things instead. I say I never like to see meet up with her in a room. <laughs> it's true. She is really. Um, she got her start on that 70s show. You know, that's on now. They repeat it in the middle of the night. I don't know that show. Yeah, that 70s show. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. No, I don't know it. It's about the 70s. I don't know. Maybe it's still on. But uh, she was apparently in high school when she did it. But anyway, if anybody's interested in seeing, like, a gorgeous face and a gorgeous body, Mila Kunis. Hmm. Mila. Or Mila. Maybe it's Mila. Probably is Mila. It's Russian. Mila. Russian. Yes. Um, wow. But- so what have you been doing for two weeks, Catherine? What have I been doing? Yeah, Lauren wasn't on the show last week. I have I been, uh, I've been talking. And what else? Rather than doing? you, it was me traveling. What were, so what have you been doing? Well, I delivered the keynote address. Oh, nice. That's the right. speech at uh, the State University of Albany School of Social Welfare, I del- uh, undergraduate and graduate. And I got rave reviews. Everyone uh, loved my... surprise me. Yeah, We're going to be I... talking about you. The board ops are going to be talking about you soon. Have you seen that chick? Yeah. Doing the keynote speeches, I was—I uh, think I was—I was very well received. Fortunately, I worked very hard on it. See, that's what happens if you work hard. Uh-huh. A lot of time, not just in the writing of the speech, but in the delivery. It's all in the delivery. So, uh-huh. uh, and I think I was quite dramatic, and uh, they had a good message. And did you make them laugh, and did you make them cry? I made them laugh, and I made them cry. Yeah, that's cool. what you're supposed to do. That's good. Yeah, and I gave per- and I gave some personal examples. Nice. Your real stories. People love it. I'm telling you, it's so interesting how people just want, they want to relate to speakers as real and, you know, they want to, they're just like us, you know, speakers, they want people, people in the seats want to feel like the person in the front of the audience is just like them. You don't want to hear all the platitudes about going out into the world. I mean, you hear some of that, obviously, but uh, you have to have a theme. Uh, and, and one of my one of my themes was be flexible, and, and I took that theme through the whole. This was the master's in social work speech that I gave, and that was being be flexible. And I took that was the major theme. So 
your life and, and what you can accomplish by being flexible and where that can get you. And I used my own personal stories as well. Cool. Yeah. And um, because I think what happens is we tend to get rigid as we after we graduate and we get into our little niches and our families and our jobs and that kind of thing. And there, our training does that to some extent. So it's yeah. really that's a great message, to not let the training make us so rigid and, and narrow-minded. Yeah. You have to be able to step outside yourself, see the bigger picture, a whole lot of different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So that's think great. about it on, along the way about being flexible. The other one, the undergraduate speech, was instead of making a living, and I think it's Maya Angelou, I took it from this, make a life. There's a difference between making a living and making a life. Total difference. A total difference. Maya Angelou, what a great, amazing woman too, huh? Yeah, and that's exactly what she's done. And yeah. I think people, that's another thing. You get out there, you get your job, you get your, your degree, and it's all about making a living and making money. And, and, and not that you shouldn't do that, but you also, and this is what you say in your messages too, I think, in, in, in Big Fish, it's about making a life. Absolutely. That's the only thing it's about. And money is a piece of it. It's just one piece of it. And it's more important to make a life, and when you make a life, the money then, it'll, the money will find you and vice versa. You'll find the money. People think that's a crazy message, but I do think that people get it over time. Well, the money finds I'm going to open, wait, I have to go open my door. I want well, to make sure you. the money can find me. But you have, to, you have to make the life so that it's, I also think there's something about through making a life, creating value in the world. I Creating value in the world. Okay, explain that one, because that's important. Make it, yeah. I just think that the more value we put in the world, the more it's easier to, the more it's easier, that's not proper English, the easier it is to um, create money from that value that you're putting out in the world. And some people don't ask for it, like so, especially in the social worker world, I think that people tend not to ask for the money. But I think the more value we provide in the world to more people, the more money we make. You look at someone like Maya Angelou, who's had huge impact in the world. She's made lots of money, but it's because... You know, she's so humble, and her she's such a model of how to live life. Yeah, and parallel to that, to making money, because this was also part of my speech, was volunteerism, don't get lost. Even though you are going to make money and you are going to be making a living, part of making a life is also includes volunteerism. And, I, and that was kind of what you're saying, maybe, I don't know. Uh, but that has Part to be- of it. It's, part, it's like get, doing the things you love or the, where you have causes you want to contribute. Yeah, and and you can do those in a parallel at the same time. Absolutely. They go together. They should be able to go together. There should be alignment there so that you're not feeling pulled in so many directions, but that one feeds the other and vice versa. Yeah. And that's all about making a life. Volunteerism, you know, earning your living, taking care of yourself, and taking care of yourself, but not in a narcissistic way. Exactly. Not narcissistic. And there's a difference between taking care of yourself and being a narcissist. So So speaking of that, Catherine, I have a quick website for you. Yeah, and you've got 30 seconds to tell me. What is it? Cosmeticdatabase.com. And what it is, it's a great website about taking better care of yourself. It's toxic ratings for skincare products. So you plug in your product and you can see how toxic it is. I don't even... I'm so gorgeous, I don't even need that. Oh, I mean, it's amazing yeah. to me. Oh, I don't yeah, even yeah. use word those off, things. Word off. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. It was great. Lauren Diller Blake, Catherine Sox, VoiceOfAmericaVariety.com. I hope you enjoyed yourself this morning because we did. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Wednesday. hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox.